Well, uh, if you've just tuned in for the first time, because we're all over the place, we're a church that's quite literally all over the place. Uh, some of us are in countries that I'm not allowed to name right now. Uh, some of us are in places that uh, we don't want to be, as in you're in your car and you're driving and watching and you ought to stop that. Uh, some people are, are with me, which makes this a lot more fun. Uh, but here's what we've been doing as a church, and it's important that you know this. You might have seen already this, this branding, this sermon is supposed to be called uh, Here for the Comments. That's bad. Uh, you shouldn't just be here for the comments. The idea is that you and I, we go to comment sections and, and, and we watch other people lose their minds because it's always other people. Uh, we watch other people lose their minds and we watch and we feel a bit involved in some scenario or circumstances. Uh, but there's an illusion that we're actually doing something, that we're actually uh, participating in something that's, that's really awesome and good or, or just anything. And there comes a time that you and I have to say, hey, I can't just be here for the comments. I got to start living my life outside of the keyboard or the phone. So there is a group of people in the Bible that if they were now, God would have brought up this conversation with them. Hey, you got you to start doing something beyond just speaking something. You and I have friends, colleagues, someone that has a tendency to say, this is what I believe this is what I think is true, but I say this nicest way. Uh, but their actions do not line up. Their words are far more aggressive, but their actions are super, super passive. Okay, apathetic. What they're doing with their life is very little, but what they're saying is a lot. And that's dangerous. In fact, that's not the full life that God has for you. So uh, if you have Bibles and you'd like to follow along in your Bible, on your phone, whatever, uh, go to Malachi. Uh, here's what we're doing this series. We're literally just walking through the book of Malachi. It's uh, right, right in front of Matthew, right before Matthew. Uh, we've been going chapter by chapter by chapter. So as you look that up, I, I need to confess some things to you. This, this is very simple. Uh, Katie and I, uh, if you don't know my wife, by the way, she's amazing. I have an amazing family. Um, in fact, uh, we had a professional uh, picture taken by myself. Uh, there you go. We were about to go on a road trip. And uh, so this is the fam, and, and this, is my, this is my bride, all right? So when we started dating, uh, it was amazing. Uh, and I was missing a step. Let me explain this to you. When we started, when we started dating, Katie would uh, often leave me little notes, you know, like, like sweet notes, telling me how amazing I am, which I appreciated. Uh, and when we would date, she would leave candy, sometimes at my desk in my office. She would do like these little things consistently. And, and you would think, so David, tell us what you did. Well, I appreciated it. Uh, so I'm just confessing to you right now, we, our relationship was, was one-sided. Uh, so, so she would pour in and, and say, you know, I love you. It would encourage me. I mean, she would leave me scripture verses. Like, I'm talking this. I, it's like, wow. And my return was, wow. Thank you. I, by the way, I thought about her a lot. I thought she was amazing. 
If you had ever asked me the time, what do you think about Katie? Oh, I'd talk your ear off about her. But like in the relationship, I wasn't near as good. She, she was doing most of the work. I was appreciating it. It was very one-sided. You probably have been in a relationship, almost all of us have been in a relationship where it was one-sided. One person was doing most of the work, most of the investment. It's not that, that there was animosity, but it was like one person is, like, is going all for it and the other one is just valuing it. And the problem with that is, is that kind of thing isn't just with human relationships, romantic relationships. It one-sidedness is like, because many times that leads to a breakup and stuff like that. You're like, yeah, that really hurt, and I get that. But that can go with you and God. And that's what uh, the book of Malachi is all about a group of people who essentially had a one-sided relationship with God. So here, before we like put it all on them, I'm going to ask you the question because this is what I want you processing. I want you thinking about this. Are you in a one-sided relationship with God? Don't answer out loud, but I, but I really want you thinking through like, okay, most of us don't think this way. Most of us think about how great God is. And by the way, if you're in a one-sided relationship with God, you might even land with, yeah, and it's still amazing because he's God and he's really, really good at relationships. So you can be in a one-sided relationship with God and it still have this, it's still working kind of feel. But the problem is, eventually, you're going to find yourself being a little indifferent toward God because he's doing all the work and, and you're glad he's available. And that indifference is going to lead you to a little bit of unfaithfulness where you, you, you'll neglect God for a while. Because it's one-sided, and he's doing all the work, and you're doing very little. This is very dangerous, and it will lead you to a very apathetic relationship with God. If you've ever said, I want God to not only be real, I want him to feel real. If you've ever wanted that, God is real. He wants to walk with you and live life with you. But if it's a one-sided relationship, it's going to be a constant battle of you wondering where in the world he is. And he's like, where in the world are you? So uh, Malachi. Well, here's, here's how it unfolds here. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Uh, for those of you who don't normally talk to people that way, like, you have scorned me today. Uh, this, this, this word here is um, probably, probably better said for you and I to understand. You've rejected is a good word. If you look it up, you'll find the word rejected. You've rejected my decrees and failed to obey them. That's what happens when you reject them. Now, and this is beautiful, pay attention to this. Now, return to me. He just called him out for rejecting him. Think about when someone has rejected you. Most of us cancel that person for the rest of all of life. He's like, you've rejected me. Now, 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 now return to me. And I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. You want to know how amazing God is? You can reject God, and he still 
wants you to return to him. And when you return to him, he's not going to be like, he's waiting for you. Can you imagine that kind of approach to life? That's who God is. You can reject him. I don't suggest it, but you can. And, and he is wanting in that, in that rejection, he's feeling it, wants you to return. So he says this. He says this to a group of people. It's a big deal, right? Let's. But you ask, because this is what we do. If you've ever been confronted, you have questions. Some of us call it defensiveness, but you have questions. But you ask, uh, how can we return when we have never gone away? They flat out approach God going, we hear you. We do not agree with you. Literally flat out, it's like, um, yeah, uh, I don't see it. I don't see it. Uh, Katie and I, let's go back to Katie and I because I love telling stories that really haunt me. Uh, <laughs> Katie talked to me about this before a little bit. Um, and I remember we, have an, we had an argument, and she began to talk a little bit. You know, hey, <laughs> I mean, you, you, you like me, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm here, aren't I? Right? Begin to offer excuses. I don't know if you've ever done this. You begin to kind of list out, like, well, of of course I do. Taking the defensive posture like, wait a minute. What, you're bringing up like this crucial conversation. But I began to say, well, I'm here, of course. And in my, mind, my mind naturally went to listing the things that prove that I liked her. Yet she was asking the question. I was in this um, defensive posture. I don't know if you've ever found yourself there. Right now, you might be going, no, I've never been there. Uh, nice defensive posture there. Uh, right? I mean, it's like, right? Usually when we're confronted about a relationship issue, we have a tendency to say, yeah, I don't see it. So we got to keep reading. Should people cheat God? I mean, he just, he just, um, he just laid it on. They're like, we don't, we don't see it. Uh, we're with you. No. Should people cheat God, yet you have cheated me? Uh, some versions will say, uh, you have robbed me. It's pretty intense if you ever have someone say, You're, you have robbed me. That's usually when you call law enforcement. right? So you, you, you have cheated me, but you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? If you don't connect to the Israelites as they are repeatedly offering defensive uh, explanations of how God is wrong. Come on, most of us have done this. You may have heard a sermon you didn't like, and it's like, yeah, that's not, no. You may have been in a romantic relationship, like, yeah, no, they were wrong. You might have been in a work relationship where you saw even a review, and you're like, nah, they don't know what they're talking about. This is how you and I have a tendency to address what might actually be true. And when God's saying, I want you to return to me, I want a relationship with you, we should have a say, like, we, we would like that too. What needs to be done? So they ask, and 
God answers. You have cheated me. You have robbed me. You have stolen from me of the tithes and offerings due to me. Now, here's the problem. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fourth generation pastor in a row. That's a part of the problem. Uh, but, but many of us, uh, as soon as a pastor brings up this, if you've been in church long enough, you're like, oh, my goodness. Some of us are like, yeah, and there's a whole crew going, what? And many of us, here's what I would assess. Many of us don't actually know what this is talking about. He's, God's confronting him, and so far in the book, he's confronted them about uh, honoring him. They haven't been honoring him. He's confronted them about being faithful to him. They haven't been faithful to him. And now he's got getting into like the nitty-gritty of detail stuff, saying, hey, let's go specific. You have been stealing from me, and that's causing some relationship issues. And he nails it. He says, Here's how you've been stealing from me with tithes and offerings. Now, maybe you didn't grow up in the Bible reading it and having explained what in the world is a tithe. That's a very good question. <laughs> Tithing is a financial term. Um, so, Tithing is, is not a, a time term. It, it's, you don't use it for like talking about how you spend your time or, or it, it, it's about resources, and it's a, it's a financial term. It's, it's, it's built into that. And, and so he's telling them, you are stealing finances, resources from me. So I thought I would overwhelm us all. Who, who wants to be overwhelmed right now, right? Everyone ready? Uh, okay, here. Let, let me show you what was expected, what God had communicated to them to do. If you don't know this, don't feel, but what I'm going to share with you should overwhelm you. It overwhelms me. So let's enjoy this together. There was the Levites tithe. Now, Levites, if you're unfamiliar, were, were the, the priests or the you might know them as pastors. They, they were the religious leaders. And so these folks would have to take 10% uh, every year of, of, of crops, livestock, of birthday money, if they did that. I don't know. And, and, and they would take this and, and they would give it. They would bring it to the actual, what's called the tabernacle. We call it the church now kind of a thing. They would, they would bring it to, and it would supply basically the priests and, and the ministry of, of the church. They would do this. Every year, every time they got paid resources, 10%, the first 10%, they would bring and, and return to God. And you're like, some of us are like, oh my goodness. Like we can't imagine 10%, like losing 10%. Right now you're like, no way, right? I'd have to cancel Netflix to do this. No, it's over. Well, we're not done yet. They had a festival tithe also. Every year, 10%, yes, an additional 10% of their crops, livestock, birthday money, anniversary money, pile it all up. And this would pay for the religious celebrations, the festivals that they would have all throughout the year. That got paid that way. Now, some of us are, I mean, like, this is ridiculous. 20%? Well, we're not done yet. There was the poor tithe. Folks who were widowed, folks who were incapable of working, folks who basically encountered times that they hadn't planned on, uh, fatherless people. It just, so this, this fund was meant to supply those folks with what they needed. Now here's the good news, is you only had to do this every three years. Now, 
if, if you're not good with math, uh, don't worry about this. Uh, I did it for you. So if you take uh, 10% over three years, it's 3.3, blah, blah, blah. That, that meant the average individual was around uh, 23%, but then don't forget the offerings. They were robbing God of the tithes, the multiple tithes and offerings. So this means, based on what we can study, is that God's people, the Israelites, the, what we would know as the church now, were giving somewhere between 25% and 40% of their income to God. Are you overwhelmed yet? <laughs> that, was, that was standard. That was expected. If you really want me to get direct with you, it was nearly, you know, it was, it was mandated. And many of us, this will mess with us. And if you're not careful, you can go to a dark place with this kind of teaching from Scripture. You can find yourself jaded very, very quickly, and you've got to be careful. So let's do this, because that may help correct some things you might think. You might think, well, wait a minute. So God, who doesn't need anything because he's God, is asking for a lot of my stuff. What? Am I, am I, is, is it a way to earn him? No, and that's important. Here, giving to God is not buying a relationship with him. And we have got to land here. This has got to be something that is so core in your heart that you cannot buy a relationship with God. You cannot give him so much or even so little. Listen to that. Hear that? You cannot give him so little that all of a sudden he loves you more or less. This is not about that. This is about a thriving relationship with God. And I'm showing you historically what God has put in front of people saying, I want a relationship with you. Remember, Return to me and I'll return to you. The same thing still exists. He wants a relationship with you, but he understands the dynamic of a relationship. It can't be one-sided. And you can sit there and be like, but I don't like this. I understand. But this is how relationships work. But be careful, you're not buying something. In fact, let's go to Jesus. He addressed this. Uh, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law? So he's yelling at people like me. Uh, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites. Yes, for you are careful to tithe. Even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. He's saying, yeah, that little side hustle, you're even tithing on that. Like even like, that's not even your main thing. And you're tithing on that. But, you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. So just to show you, this isn't about trying to earn favor from God and get him to like you and be cool with you. Because it's not everything in the relationship. But watch this. You should tie. Some of you don't even believe that's really in the Bible, and you're going to go look it up and fact-check me later. That's fine. These are the words of Jesus. You should tithe. Yes. But do not neglect the more important things. So God doesn't think money is the most important thing. Just so you're seeing this. 
Here's what I want you to learn about Jesus. He will confront (laughs) what we're unwilling to do. And he did that with the religious leaders. He didn't talk to them about, hey, hey, you're not tithing. He's like, good job tithing. Good job. You should tithe. If you're a follower of God, yeah, tithe. But don't use that as an excuse to say, so I'm not going to treat other people like human beings. It's not one or the other. It's, it's, it's both. And do you see, because perhaps you feel it right now, a controversy going on in your heart right now. Go on. It sounds like the Bible says I'm supposed to give actual resources to God. It does. That's what Jesus said. So I uh, will fess up to you about uh, my relationship with Katie. She called me on it. Have you ever had a define the relationship conversation? They're never warm and fuzzy at the beginning. Have you ever had someone go, hey, so are we something? And she had to define the relationship. If you don't know this, I've told this before. I almost lost her. Still, like, stirs things up in me. Like, I almost lost my bride, whom I've been married to now for 17 years, and I'm madly in love with. I almost lost her. Because I had been so wounded with past relationships, I was afraid to commit I had multiple reasons. I thought it was safer and, and, and more logical to withhold certain things from Katie to protect myself and to make things right. And what I was doing was I was ruining the relationship and it could never get past a certain point. So I'll teach you what I've learned about marriage and, and dating. But even more importantly, I'll tell you what I've learned about God. There are questions you should ask of yourself. What are you giving and what are you withholding? Most of us know this. What are you giving? We think about, well, let me tell you. One time I got her the most impressive present. It was amazing, right? One time I bought her a purse. I've never done that before because I learned I should never do that again because it was ugly. I bought it at the finish line. I don't know why it was a problem, but... um, what are you giving? Most of us can think about the gifts that we've given, and that's a big deal, and that's important. You should think about that. What are we giving? You know what most of us don't make lists of? Or what are you withholding, though? We give ourselves merit. We build our confidence by what we give, by what we give. And I'm telling you, a relationship with God should not only involve you going, what am I, what am I giving to God, but also what am, I, what, am, what am I refusing to give to him? Because I don't trust the church, I don't trust the pastor, or I can't afford it, or I don't, I don't agree with that interpretation of Scripture. Okay, scrap all that. What are you giving to God? What are you withholding from him? And could that be the source of an apathetic relationship you might have with him, where it's not growing, it's not deepening, it's not just being awesome? If this seems intense, it is because this is a test. You're like, oh, 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 no. This specific part, Malachi chapter 3, reveals something that actually played all the way out in the beginning of the Bible. The first murder was over this, and you can just track it all through the whole Bible, that you and I are being tested by God regarding money, regarding the resources we have. This is a test. I wonder how you're doing. 
Uh, Malachi chapter three, verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. By the way, do not misinterpret this. Oh, give to God $10. I get 20 in the mail. No, blessing is not always riches, like dollar amounts and things like that. But do you know, if you study the Bible from beginning to end, you're only allowed to test God in one way. One way. With money. Money is a test. Every time you earn a paycheck, if you do get a birthday card and grandma gives you a check, you may not have known this, but it's a test. So here's the test. Uh, I made a multiple choice question. My next step is nothing, which as pastor of this church, I can tell you, is where over half of our church is. But maybe, maybe you're going to start winning here, and you're going to start giving God something. See, some of you are caught up, tithe, 10%. Oh, no, 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 let's, let's, let's do what Jesus, let's meet, meet, he wants to meet you where you're at, something. Maybe, you, maybe you're going to move from nothing to something. Maybe you're already doing something and you're going to schedule it. It's not going to be random anymore. You're going to move it to scheduled. It's going to be regular for you. You're like, I'm going to give God something regularly. I'm going to actually, even maybe my family and I, we automate it literally digitally. It's, it's awesome. Maybe you're there already. So maybe it's time to move from schedule to where it is a sacrificial gift to where maybe you have to live differently. Maybe you can only have Netflix or Hulu. Here's my prayer for you. If you're watching on TV, on your phone, if you're with me right now, if you're at East, if you're wherever you are, move beyond being offended get out of apathy and answer the question let me pray for us heavenly father i believe this word is from you lord would you meet us in our place would you meet us whether it's a dark place that we're in or maybe it's a mountaintop room would you meet us lord and help us to answer this question with with the answer that you want may we never be an apathetic group of people lord may May we be a church, a Fountain Springs church who is known for our generosity, not just to others, but to you as well. God, we love you. Thank you for meeting us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.